It's time to play. UVA and Virginia Tech kick off their football seasons. We'll look at the openers for the Hokies and the Hoos, and Aaron McFarling returns to break down the games from a better's perspective. All that and more this week on Teal and Barber. Welcome in to episode 56 of Peel and Barber, the Richmond Times Dispatch and Richmond.com's Virginia Tech, UVA, and ACC Sports Podcast. I'm Mike Barber, ACC beat writer for the paper, and joining me here, as he always does, my co host, the 13 time sports writer of the year and the Virginia Sports Hall of Famer, David Teal. Good morning, David. Good morning. Uh, so football is is just days away for those of us here in the Commonwealth. I know some people got a jump start. Maybe if you're in Nebraska, you wish you didn't uh, <laughs> in what they call week zero. But uh, I'll be kicking off my 20th season covering college football uh, here in Virginia, which seems like a big number. David, how long do I have to go before I catch you? Uh, you'll be close to collecting social security <laughs> if it's still available right <laughs> that's a very optimistic outlook from you <laughs> I, i'm i'm curious for you and obviously you know we joke but you've been doing this a long time and you've got a family too and all the things that go on so what what signals the end of of summer in the teal household is it is it media days in, in charlotte in july is it camps and, and practices coming in august is it not till opening games here labor day weekend when do you feel like the teal summer has ended well we mike it's more of a family thing w- with us because each year on labor day sunday we host a big seafood festival here at the house and have the whole crew over and we pick crabs and we peel shrimp and we just have a large time. And that to me pretty much signals that summer's over, next day's Labor Day, day after that school starts and we're back in our routines. Oh, that sounds amazing. We're, we're doing the... Uh... The hosting friends here for a cookout on Sunday, but you know, with the games Friday and Saturday, I, I kind of feel like even actually Monday of this week, it kind of felt like okay, I'm back to work. Th- this is the end. Uh, my daughter's already in school. The son's in daycare. Um, there probably aren't going to be many trips to the the pool left in us, and um, it feels like summer's behind us. But that that seafood fest sounds like a, a heck of a way to. Uh, Tell summer goodbye. That sounds amazing. I, I hope I'll see some some pictures or some tweets from that. I imagine you could do some damage. <laughs> I, I won't blame you for not inviting me because it might it might up the bill. Well, we we just have to up the bushel count. I think. Uh, there you go. And and well, I'd be happy to contribute. That sounds amazing. And uh, yeah, we're trying to trying to get the kids here into into the seafood thing a little more. It's funny, my. We went to a new French restaurant here in Charlottesville, and uh, my son actually uh, really enjoyed the the lobster chowder. Um, wow! He, yeah, <laughs> to the point that he had to get his own bowl, and um, so I'm encouraged that that his palate is uh, developing the right way. Well, I think we all have the palate right now for for college football, and and we do have games, including a. A big one in Blacksburg uh, Friday night. We'll both be at Lane Stadium for Virginia Tech's opener uh, against number 10 North Carolina, a matchup with Sam Howell, a Heisman hopeful. And David, this is this is about as big as it gets when you consider uh, Carolina the Coastal Division favorite. You consider Justin Fuente's situation. Uh, this should be a good one. 
Oh, it really should be. And Virginia Tech, obviously, no stranger to to large season openers. You know, played number one and reigning national champion Ohio State in the in the 2015 opener at Lane. But I think you hit on it, Mike, because Carolina is not only an ACC game, but also a division rival. I think that adds some oomph to it. Tar Heels' first top 10 preseason ranking since Mac Brown's first go-around as coach in 97. That was the season that propelled him to the Texas gig and kind of ushered in some lean times for, for the Tar Heels. And as you mentioned, and it's again, it's no secret, you know, Justin Fuente needs to win. Yeah, you know, it's one of those games that I was saying this to some guys the other day. It feels like an unfairly important game, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like you can lose to North Carolina and still have a great season. And we've certainly seen this in the Coastal Division. You can lose to a team in the Coastal and still win the division. That's still possible. Uh, But it feels like the attitude and the vibe and the feeling around the program could take a really nasty turn uh, if this doesn't go their way. And, and, And I don't know that that's fair. David, but I think that's reality. And and also because it's a sellout. You know, it's the first time in well more than a year that the Virginia Tech football community has had the chance to gather in Blacksburg to to jump to Metallica and all that. And if it's a thud, oh yeah, it, the the narrative will not be pretty. Right. And and that's where I think a little bit unfair, but again, reality. Now, looking at the game itself, I mentioned Sam Howell. Carolina is breaking in new receivers, new running backs. They've got what should be a very good offensive line. So when you look at this offense, David, are we anticipating uh, Carolina that we saw last year that could could score at any moment? Or or is this going to be a different kind of unit? I think both, actually. I think Carolina will be capable of scoring at any moment, but I don't believe, Mike, the Tar Heels will do it as frequently as they did a a year ago. I I, I hope that makes sense. Just because when when you have a quarterback as gifted as Sam Howe, you can score from anywhere on the field at any time. But those four dudes, two at running back and, and, and two at wide receiver, accounted for more than 4,000 yards of offense last season. And Mac Brown said on his Zoom yesterday, we have not answered those questions and we won't be able to until we start playing. We don't know. And oh, by the way, their most experienced receiver, Bo Corrales, is going to miss the game with an injury. So you know, th- that's uh, one less veteran that the Tar Heels have. Yeah, it's why I think this this matchup is so interesting when it comes, if you're Virginia Tech. I believe that by week five or six, that we're going to be saying the same things about this Carolina offense that we did about last year's. But I think early, there's going to be some feeling out of, of guys finding their roles, finding what they do well, getting to that point, getting that chemistry. To your point, I think Sam Howell's going to be able to bring them along. I think that offensive line is going to allow them to still move the football on the ground. Uh, I think that defense is going to be really good and, and may be something they lean on early. But I think, you know, if you're Virginia Tech, better to catch them now, 
right before they know those answers to those questions that, that Mac Brown admitted they're not quite sure about right now. Better to catch them now, especially at home, primetime, national TV. It's going to be amped up. And some of those Carolina players who have not been in that kind of environment, it will be to you know, use the adage, baptism by fire, and we'll see how they respond. All right, so you talked about some of the questions that, that Max still has about his offense. What are the biggest lingering questions you have about Virginia Tech going into this season? Well, I think they're the same ones we've we've talked about. Depth. You know, you I think you made the observation last week or, or the week before on the pod that you really like this starting twenty-two, but after that, you have some serious question marks. And and, and you asked Justin Fuente yesterday about depth and, and whether it was developed during camp. And he allowed as though he thought they did the best they, that they could, but now it's, it's up to the young men to prove it. Yeah, and I'll tell you the thing that they released the depth chart, and the thing that jumped out to me the most uh, in terms of maybe a domino effect, Caden Moore, the mm-hmm. freshman, being at right guard yeah. as the starter. Now, that tells me that he's ready to go, and that tells me Johnny Jordan, the the Maryland transfer, who's now on the second string, now you're starting to see like, okay, there is some depth there, because I think we felt like five or six offensive linemen were pretty good, and that was it. Well, if Moore's in the starting lineup, now you're up to six or seven. We heard a lot about Parker Clements at tackle. Mm -hmm. Now you're looking seven or eight, and now you're saying, hey, we've got three at guard, three at tackle. We have that next guy up that you feel good about. Um, I'll be honest, like if I'm a tech fan, the way the depth chart came out there on the offensive line kind of warms my heart because it tells me, okay, there is depth and confidence. And um, you know, you've got some guys now, Jordan and, and Terrell Smith uh, on the second string who you feel pretty good about putting in a game. Um, I think there's still question about depth at defensive end. Yes. I think it's interesting, you know, it, it when you talk about the quarterback position, the old adage is if you have more than one, then you don't have one, right? If you have two, you don't have one. Um, I'm curious at the corner position where they didn't make a choice yet between Dorian Strong and Armani Chapman. Does that mean both these kids are having great camps and they just don't know uh, who's going to play when and they're both going to see time? Or does it mean they haven't been blown away by either kid and that battle's ongoing against this offense, against Sam Howell, that's going to be an important position. Agreed. I think the Hokies are going to be really good at corner, Mike. Really do. Uh, I have questions about safety, especially depth there. And heck, just at, at the starting spot with Devin Hunter. You know, we, we haven't seen him in, in, in so long on, on the field. So how does that position perform and yes, no question about depth at defensive end. Yeah, you know, Devin Taylor was a guy that a lot of people had been picking as a, a potential uh, breakout defensive player at that safety spot. And now he's uh, over at Bowling Green with, with Scott Leffler, uh, the former Hokies offensive coordinator. And um, yeah, I, I think that's fair to, to have questions really everywhere on that second, second team. And, um, you know, maybe it'll be a situation where they stay healthy, or maybe it'll be a situation where they stay healthy until deep enough in the season that those players have been brought along. Or maybe it'll be a situation where somebody rolls an ankle on Friday night and, and it becomes an issue against the Tar Heels. You, you have no way to predict that. And um, you know, I guess, like I said, the good news, as you mentioned, Justin Fuente, when I asked him, said he felt like 
hey, they made strides. They brought those guys along. They, they did as much as they expected to be able to do. So uh, now they'll roll with it and, and, and see where it goes. And uh, like we said, starting out, it couldn't, couldn't be a bigger one starting out. David, how intense will the heat on Justin Fuente be from the fans, from the media, if this game doesn't go their way? Depends on how it doesn't go their way. You know, is it is it competitive or is it ugly? I I think that would be uh, the the determining factor there. I mean, if this is a a field goal game, and by the way, that's another big question about <laughs> Virginia Tech. I mean, not to get too deep into the weeds, but John Parker Romo, he's never had to trot out there at you know forty three yards with the game on the line, and that. <laughs> that could be a pretty big spot for for a young man in a game such as this. But to, to your original question, I, losing is one thing; losing ugly is another. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. And um, you know, how much patience will the fans have if it doesn't go their way? Hard to say, right? But you know, fans are not known for patience at, at this point. But I, I do think, and you know, there are some. Huge games in the first five from a fan perspective, right? Maybe not from a coastal after Carolina, that, that's it for a while before you're in the division. But when you think about Notre Dame and West Virginia, if you don't show up well in those games, in fans' minds, those are the marquee events on the schedule. You get three of them in the first five weeks. Um, and we talked about this. I did a story about this a couple of weeks ago. But this Virginia Tech team, they needed to have a good camp and they need to come ready to play out of the gate. Uh, because of the way the schedule shakes up. And, um, you know, I, I think I don't think we're overstating when we talk about the opener being pivotal. And that brings us to this week's edition of Take It or Leave It. Thanks, Mike. It is Take It or Leave It. The winner of Friday night's game at Lane Stadium will end the season atop the Coastal Division. Let's start with David. I'm going to take it because I believe, A, North Carolina is going to win Friday night and be that the Tar Heels will win the Coastal. So for me, it's it's a it's a pretty easy answer. All right. Thanks, David. Mike? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. You know, this is going to be sound unfair to Tech fans, but I feel like if Virginia Tech wins, they've got the inside track to the Coastal, but I could still see it going a number of different ways. If North Carolina wins, and especially if they play well, that will sort of affirm what we believe about Carolina, that they're pretty darn good. Um, so I do think the winner of that game is going to be North Carolina, and they'll win the Coastal. If if Tech wins it, I, I think we could be looking at more of, of our beloved Coastal Chaos, <laughs> uh, which I don't know if, if fans enjoy it, but I know we in the media, we certainly enjoy the unpredictable nature of uh, what we'll call the ACC's uh, lesser half. Well, David, one team that, that might benefit from a little bit of that that coastal chaos would be Virginia. Uh, UVA has a far less flashy opener, but considering the stretch that follows, that may be a good thing for the Hoos. They open Saturday at home against William & Mary, and um, a game that we don't expect to, to challenge Virginia uh, too much, I, I think you would hope if you're a UVA fan. David, what are we looking at with this Virginia team? What what things do you want to see in this game? What things do you say, okay, they need to do this well. If they don't, it's a red flag. Well, if I'm Bronco Mendenhall and I'm a UVA fan, after last year's experience against Abilene Christian, the primary aim Saturday night is to walk off that field with all my starters healthy. Right. <laughs> because, because we all remember mm. – 
Charles Snowden last year and just how gutting that was for the young man and the program. And, you know, you, you were talking earlier about, is it fair to Justin Fuente? That, that was not fair to Charles Snowden. It, it, it just wasn't. Uh, but, but other than that, I mean, you want to see some life from the traditional running game. You want to see Brennan Armstrong be crisp. Uh, throwing the ball, and you want to see the defense basically shut down uh, an FCS offense, as it should. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good summary. And, and you know, it's interesting hearing Bronco, because we always ask with the traditional running game about the running backs. How do you get more out of Wayne Talapapa? Can Ronnie Walker be a home run hitter? Um, how is Ahmad Faustin going to function as kind of that third down back? Uh, what, what is Mike Hollins going to bring, um, who's also working at kick returner? But Every time we talk about that traditional run game, Bronco steers us back to the line. Mm-hmm. Like he feels like Wayne Talapapa is a thousand yard type back if he's being blocked properly for by the line. And there's reason to believe now, David, that that this line can do that. You have to do it against William and Mary, right? Like you've got to be able to because going back to the first thing you said, injuries, hey, control the ball, eat the clock, dominate the game that way. They should be able to run up and down the field. Um with Talapapa, with Walker, with all those backs behind this line, if they struggle in that department against the Tribe, that to me would be a major red flag. Agreed. And especially as, as you alluded to, given what uh, what follows the Tribe. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a a season-defining stretch early. So, and, and I don't mean this as any disrespect to William & Mary, but if you view this as like the NFL-style preseason game, you get one. You get to maybe work some kinks out, make sure everything's crisp and right. And like we talked about Virginia Tech needing to be crisp and right for the opener, Virginia needs to be that way and ready to really roll starting in week two. The other thing I'm interested to see, because I thought it was just a mess a year ago, is that defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they really struggled giving up big plays. They, they dealt with injuries. Joey Blunt was hurt. Guys were playing out of position, moved around. But it's interesting, David, you know, they picked up, Anthony Johnson, the transfer from Louisville. They picked up Josh Hayes, who's been injured, but the transfer from North Dakota State. They have these new names, and the depth chart comes out, and David, they're Mm -hmm. rolling with the same cats that struggled last season in pass protection. Now, you and I think that they're pretty good players there, Joey Blunt and and Devontae Cross at the safety spots in particular. Um, But are you a little surprised, and and, what are you going to be looking for from that defensive backfield? Yeah, I, th- I thought Anthony Johnson was going to be a starter, mm-hmm. R- really did, and you know, no idea how it all shook out in, in camp. But to me, cornerback is the position of worry, again, if I'm wearing orange and blue. You know, Nick Grant and Darius Bratton are the starters, and we've kind of seen what, what they're capable of over the years. They, they have moments, but... Other moments are, are, are ones you'd rather forget. So they need to be better. And I think they know it. And I think um, the the entire team knows it. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, you know, it's funny. During the spring, uh, Bronco Mendenhall kind of labeled Darius Bratton the, the closest thing they have to a shutdown corner. And you know, there was a point where I think that would have been very encouraging. Darius Bratton, you know, was a promising prospect. Everything he's been through um, – if he's your number one cover guy, I don't know. I have some questions. Nick Grant has played a lot of football, but, you know, and I hate to say this because he's, he's, I think he's a good player and we enjoy talking to him. But if I close my eyes and think about Nick Grant, 
I think about a Clemson receiver or a Tech <laughs> receiver taking a short throw and turning it into a, a big play on him because of a missed tackle. Right. Now, these guys are older, right? They're a year older. Hopefully, that's a part of their game that has improved. Um, but I, I just don't know. Now, the injury to Hayes in camp, they expect him to be back um, and available soon. Maybe he then factors into the starting lineup. Maybe it's a case where if things don't go well early, Johnson is quickly into that starting lineup. So they, they have some more pieces there. Um, but certainly, if William & Mary is able to hit you for some 30- and 40-yard bombs, that's another one of those red flags going forward. No doubt. And, and of course, where uh, the, the defensive backfield, the, the, their teammates can pick him up is with a pass rush. And that's that, that's the surest way to uh, slow an opponent's uh, aerial attack. Yeah, and that's been a big part of, of this Virginia defense under Bronco Mendenhall. They talk about havoc, and you know, I did an article last week where I, I crunched the numbers, and sixty-two point seven percent of their sacks come from the linebacker position. That was more than anybody else in the ACC, including teams that run uh, three-four and odd front defenses. It's going to be. Interesting this year because you're replacing some key guys. You mentioned Snowden and Zandier. Um, Elliot Brown, I think, is a guy we expect to make a big step forward. Hunter Stewart is the guy who's going to get the start on the inside right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be asked to do a lot in the pass rush as well. Um, that linebacking core has to be good for a Bronco Mendenhall defense to work, doesn't it? Oh, no question. And, you know, Elliot Brown's got, you know, he's that prototype size. Mm-hmm. You know, six five, two forty. That's what you want on on the outside, much like Noah Taylor on on the on the other side, on the strong side. It's six five and two and a quarter. So he's he's got the body types that he wants at that position. Now he's just got to get the production. And in, in Noah Taylor, you have to believe he will. And in Nick Jackson inside. Mm-hmm. We're talking about an all-conference caliber linebacker. Yeah, Nick, Nick Johnson was a, a really good recruiting get for this staff. And um, obviously, that's how you build your program. And, and Bronco Mendenhall and, and Carla Williams, the athletic director, they spoke at a board of visitors meeting and they talked about their recruiting efforts and, and really the whole program being kind of hindered by by their facilities. They went as far as to say that Virginia's facilities, meaning in particular the, the football facility, the McHugh Center, um, They called it the worst in the ACC. Uh, Here's what Bronco said about that this week. I'm anxious to be able to be on equal footing facility-wise with our competitors. I think our team would love that. I also think those uh, uh, assessing and selecting in the recruiting process would value that as well in terms of the priority that's placed on football. Now, Virginia is upping the priority it places on football. Um, There are plans in place for for improvements and renovations. David, how big a a deal is UVA's facility as it tries to compete in the ACC? Oh, there's no question that facilities affect recruiting. Now, trying to measure that impact is borderline impossible uh, because there are so many factors that, that go in to a young man's recruiting decision in terms of family, proximity, uh, conference, your ability to place player, your history of placing players in, in the NFL, relationship with coaches, relationship with teammates, so many different things. But it's undeniable that uh, a facility can speak a lot about an institution's priorities, as, as Bronco Mendenhall alluded to. Now, is Virginia's the worst in the ACC? I don't know. I haven't 
been at enough of the support facilities recently to know. And I don't think Bronco Mendenhall has either. But what he said he is basing that assessment on is Virginia is the only program in the league not to have either renovated or built a new support facility in the last 31 years. And that's how old the McHugh Center is. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound like competing in the, in the what we call the arms race uh, in, in college football. David, what about saying it out loud, though? <laughs> well, what about saying it in a place where it's going to become public? Um, I saw some reaction on Twitter that was basically saying, hey, Bronco's recruiting against himself, uh, pointing out that, that there's a, a deficiency there. Um, with the plans in place already to, to improve the facilities, why do you think he, he said it? And do you think that was a good thing to talk about publicly? Because Bronco Mendenhall, Mike, has no filter. <laughs> right? I mean, that's yeah. one of the things we love about him. Absolutely love it. <laughs> and that's just the way he is. What did he tell the Board of Visitors a couple of years ago about how many ACC yep. caliber players were on the roster? Now, was that a fit of hyperbole? hyperbole, perhaps, but he's not above that either. Bronco Mendenhall is about as calculated a guy as as you can find. And I think he knew exactly what he was doing. I think he knew it would be public and he wanted it to be public. The thing that I found most striking about what came out of that board of visitors session, and it wasn't a formal meeting, was the price tag of the entire master plan. Because mm-hmm. when announced, it was $180 million. That was three years ago. And now it's 136 That's a pretty big drop. So they are being far less ambitious when it comes to this project. So it'll be interesting to find out what some of the trims and compromises were. Right. And that's what I wondered when I heard his comments, if that wasn't a pushback of, yeah, there's 50, right? 50 something million that's, that's trimmed out of that planned budget. I think that was Bronco angling to make sure, hey, let's make sure it doesn't come out of the commitment to the football program, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure some of it will. Um, it's also interesting because Bronco Mendenhall, to me, part of the success he's had is he's done more with less. Right, he he overcomes these challenges. Um, it's part of the mindset and the mentality of his program. He likes the uh, ingenuity of his coaching staff. Let's say they get to the point where everybody can sit back and agree. UVA's on a, on a pretty equal footing. Maybe they're not you know at Clemson level, but they're at a pretty equal footing with most of their ACC peers. David, that ratchets up the pressure on Bronco Mendenhall tenfold, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely, because. You said this is what you need. Well, now you have it. And just like Bronco Mendenhall believes that his players need to reach certain metrics uh, to prove you know, their worth, he will be held to the to the same standard. And oh, by the way, Bronco Mendenhall will hold himself to that standard as well. I don't think he'll have any problem with it. Yeah, I think he's supremely confident, and you have to be in, in a job like that, but I think he's supremely confident that his plan if he's given the parts, will work. He, he has a plan for how to win this way. It's been working. I think he has a plan how to win with full support, and he's completely – so, yeah, I, I think it will bring more pressure. It will ratchet up expectations, and uh, I think he's he's going to relish that. Well, we're going to relish, and I think our listeners are going to relish this next segment, back for another season of college football betting advice. It's our friend Aaron McFarling and Amax Puppy Chow. 
It's game week in college football, and with games come favorites, underdogs, upsets, point spreads, and to help us sort through all of that each week, our good friend, the outstanding columnist from the Roanoke Times, Aaron McFarling, and his segment, Amax Puppy Chow. Aaron, great to talk to you again. Yeah, it's good to be here, Mike. It's good to be back having some lines to look at. And uh, this is obviously our first college football season here in Virginia that we've had legal apps in the beginning of the season. So uh, ready to get going, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I think this segment's going to be even more valuable exactly for that reason. There's a, a lot of people uh, dipping their toe in for the first time to, to the betting waters, and a lot of people who maybe dip their toe uh, kind of uh, behind the scenes are now jumping in all the way in, in public. And, and Aaron, you guys uh, at the Roanoke Times are going to do some special segments and, and special sections here coming up um, with some inside sports betting info. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Actually, on Friday, our special section comes out for the college football previews, you know, all the tech and UVA stuff and the small colleges. And I'm going to have a feature in there that uh, of my rankings of the eight apps that are live in, in Virginia in terms of how, you know, usability, uh, what they offer, you know, uh, sign up bonuses, things like that. So if you're if you're new to the game. Uh, that that's something you'll want to check out. Um, and also every week I'm going to do something uh, gambling related on Thursdays called this week in gambling, basically where we just look at uh, interesting trends, uh, line, line moves, things are, you know, it's going to be ACC based, but uh, there'll be a little bit of national stuff too. If there's interesting things outside of the ACC. So um, I'm hoping that'll be not only a good thing for, for gamblers, you know, if you want to uh, try to maybe get a little bit of an edge, but also uh, non-gamblers, you know, just maybe to look at some of the games in a little bit of a different light, you know, see see what the odds makers think about uh, the games they're going to be watching on Saturday. Yeah, that all sounds good. I know I'll, I'll be looking forward to that because uh, I'm one of those guys who's uh, going to go the the online route for the first time. I've, I've done my gambling in other ways in the past, uh, <laughs> but I'm interested in, in seeing those rankings because I'd like something I can pull up on my phone and uh, – you know, when I get that that inspiration hits, and you think you've got a surefire winner, it's it's going to be interesting now that people can just kind of do it at the at the fingertips, right there with the phone or tablet, whatever they're using. And I'm looking forward to that, and and I encourage you all to check that out when that section hits and and that weekly segment. Uh, let's get speaking of of weekly segments. Let's get to the chow here, shall we? Uh, yes. um, now UVA is hosting William and Mary on Saturday at Scott Stadium. Aaron, there's no official line for this one since it's an FBS-FCS matchup, but how about you? If you were setting the line, how do you see this one? Well, when I turned in my picks to you this week for the print edition, I I went Virginia 48, William & Mary 16, so I guess that'd be a 32-point spread is what I'm going to put it at. So if you see it, now if you're in one of those offshore books where you can get a a bet down on Virginia or Virginia (laughs) Tech, which obviously in the state you can't do, uh, if you see it, is uh, lower than than 32. Uh, I would say that Virginia would be the way to go there. And if it's higher than 32, uh, maybe William and Mary and the points is the way to go there. But I don't think the Cavaliers are going to have a whole lot of trouble here. As we've we've chronicled uh, throughout this preseason, I mean, home games are not where they have their problems. It's been on the road where they struggle, and uh, they should they should be able to get off to a good start here against William and Mary. No, and there's there's another thing for you to rank is uh, how to get your Virginia bets down and, and where to do that. Although that might be frowned upon in in certain circles. How about the big one here in Virginia, and that's number ten North Carolina, uh, the favorite in the coastal. They're visiting Lane Stadium to take on Virginia Tech. Odds makers have the Tar Heels as a five and a half point favorite here as we're recording. Uh, what are your thoughts? 
you know, I, I'm going to go bold right out of the gate here, and I might be deemed a homer, and that's fine, but I'm going to take Virginia Tech here. I got 35-30 Virginia Tech. Uh, they're getting five and a half, and, uh, I, you know, look, I know North Carolina's good, but they're going to have to prove that top ten ranking to me. I mean, under Fuente, the Hokies are 4-1 and one against North Carolina. The one loss was last year. We know that there were a lot of uh, personnel issues with, with Virginia Tech going into that game. Their defense was ravaged. You know, both those 1,000-yard backs are gone. I know the offensive line is very stout at, at UNC, but I also think Virginia Tech's defense is going to be better than it was last year. How could it not be? Uh, and I think this is a good spot to get UNC when you're breaking in some new skill position players at, down in Chapel Hill. This is a good time to play them. And, and maybe you, uh, you know, you ride the crowd, which we know will be frothy, you know, long before the game even starts, uh, to, to a, a victory here. And I think uh, it's right there for the Hokies to take. And uh, I anticipate that they will. So you're not just talking about covering here. You think Tech is the outright winner in this one. That's right. Yeah, I like the money line here. Uh, most places, uh, I see it at plus 180 or so. I think that's a good value. And, and, and that you'll find that be a theme for me uh, when I make picks often is, uh, you know, if I have a game that I think is something close to a coin flip, and in this case, I think this game is, even though the odds makers disagree, if you can get plus 190 on that, uh, that's almost two to one. Uh, anytime a coin flip pays you two to one, that's value, and uh, you want to go for it. That makes sense, and, and it'll be interesting to see as we go through the season. You mentioned it with UVA and uh, certainly the crowd at Lane Stadium, how you view home teams, home home favorites, road dogs, and those kind of things, because that, that plays a big part as you're kind of looking around the board for the games you want to bet on, doesn't it? Oh, sure. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, as we know, I mean, defense travels pretty well. Running games tend to travel. They tend to take uh, the crowds out of the game better than, uh, you know, a, a, an offense that relies completely on timing and precision in the passing game. So, uh, yeah, those are factors that we'll definitely be looking at as we go through the season. Well, you just gave us a, an upset of, of almost a touchdown there based on the Vegas odds. But uh, looking around the board, any other upsets you, you like? Anything else jump out to you? Yeah, the one I'm looking at is Penn State. They're getting four and a half going to uh, Wisconsin, and Wisconsin's getting a lot of preseason hype. Some people have them uh, going to the playoff, and they very well may. Uh, but I think they're going to drop this game, actually. Um, <laughs> so uh, Penn State started 0-5 last year. I think we all remember how bad they were. You know, They lost to my alma mater, Maryland, which is a, a, just a <laughs> shameful, shameful thing to do. Um, <laughs> but they, they finished strong. You know, One of their biggest problems last year, they ranked 112th nationally in turnover margin. And a lot of times when you have turnovers, as we saw a few years ago in that game, you know, the tech game against uh, the, the battle of Bristol, you know, where they turned it over almost every possession, it gave you a poor idea of what Virginia tech really was all about. I think uh, Penn state is a, is a better team than that, than what they showed last year. They've got a new offensive coordinator, Mike Yurchich. Uh, he's uh, you know, he could give some wrinkles to this very strong um, Wisconsin defense. And I think this is a, a, another situation where it feels close to a coin flip to me. And if you're going to get plus 190, which is the best uh, money line I've seen for Penn State out there, then uh, go ahead and, and, and take the plunge and, and see if you can uh, fatten your wallet on a coin flip that goes your way. So I'm curious, Aaron, we're heading into what is week one. I know there were some games in what they call week zero, but um, who's got the advantage here? Because we, the the fans, the media, the betting community, we haven't seen these teams, right? We don't know what Virginia Tech or Carolina or Penn State, we don't know what any of these teams really are going to be this year. Uh, But at the same time, I guess Vegas doesn't either. So week one, it seems like a little bit of some crapshoots out there. Who who has the edge? Yeah, I mean, I think that's... 
you know, we, we talk a lot about how these rankings maybe shouldn't come out until three or four yeah. weeks into the season. Well, they, they, they're factored into the line. You know, I mean, people, uh, you know, the odds makers know that the, the public's going to look at that little 10 next to, to UNC's name. You know, they, they know that, that, you know, Wisconsin being, a, a, I think they're 15th, uh, you know, they're, you know, a better ranking or, yeah, they're 12th, sorry. And they're a better ranking than number 19 Penn State, and they're at home. So that's going to factor into the line too. I mean, I think, you know, if you have a good offensive line, if you have a reliable running attack, that's a good place to start early in the season. You know, like uh, if, if you know what you're going to get there out of that, uh, if you have a good defense, that's usually pretty pretty consistent week to week. I think it's the timing of the offenses that you just don't know right now uh, how they're going to look. And so, you know, some of these teams that rely so heavily on precision – um, maybe are a good fade in week one. I, I, I'm always looking for underdogs. I can say that. I mean, I, I had um, Illinois in that week zero game. You know, that was the one game where the 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 money line underdog was actually you know something worth taking. Everything else was like <laughs> plus nine hundred or plus fifteen hundred. You know, they were all huge spreads. But uh, as you saw, I mean, that Illinois, you know, they were at home and they they found a way. And uh, so uh, I think. It, Early on, especially if 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 you're not sure which way to go, take the points. Uh, if I could get a license plate, that's what it would say: T K <laughs> the point. Take the points. Uh, it's just a, a more fun way, I think, also to consume college football is to not have it have to cover huge numbers as as a, a chalk better. Awesome stuff, and this is going to be fun all year. Remember to go find that This Week in Gambling segment that Aaron's going to be doing for the Roanoke Times, and of course, catch him every week here with his segment, AMAX Puppy Chow. Thanks, Mike. Good luck out there, guys. Well, we've certainly got our sights set on that Tech Carolina game, but David, the ACC is also in another mega opening weekend matchup, this one with the SEC, Clemson and Georgia. And I mean, to me, that's as good as it gets for the opening (laughs) weekend. Those are two teams that certainly I I think we all expect could be in in line for a college uh, football playoff berth. When you think about this game, David, what are you most excited to see? DJ Uyunglele in his first game, um, you know, as QB1 at, at, at Clemson. And also to see a Clemson defense, Mike, that has been by its standards now, not by everyone else's, but by Clemson Brent Venable standards has been subpar for two seasons running. Is that group back to being 2018 good? And I think it absolutely can be. And if so, Look out. Yeah, I think this Clemson defense is fueled by that sense that it's been the weak link. Um, And I think especially early, kind of like we talked about with Carolina, there's some rebuilding on the offensive side. I think Clemson's defense can carry them early. This is a heck of a way to start out. Uh, I I think Georgia has some similar questions and some similar uh, things to work out. This is a, I mean... I'm kind of bummed we won't get to to watch this one um, or speak be at for this yourself. One. I might be sneaking a peek on the laptop. Yeah. Side, <laughs> well, well, we won't be able to fully engage <laughs> with this game because we have other work to do. But uh, I'm really looking forward to Clemson and Georgia. You know, we talked about hey, what signals the end of the summer and and a mega game like this to me. Um, kind of kicks off and launches the fall. Uh, I do think both of these teams uh, are are that level. They're championship-level teams. I think Clemson, there's no doubt that they are the class of the ACC. How good are they? How far from Carolina? It's going to be really interesting, David, to go from watching Carolina and Tech, who we believe 
could determine the Coastal, and we mm-hmm. both think Carolina will. And then seeing Clemson against an opponent like Georgia, does it look like uh, the Bishop Sycamore <laughs> game <laughs> with IMG? Like, is there that big a disparity between Clemson and the winner of Carolina Tech? Uh, or, or is that something that we can be really looking forward to the ACC title game? I know it's early. That's going to be something I really have my eyes on uh, to judge. And it's just, it, it, I think it's going to be a great one. And it brings us very neatly to this week's edition of Who You Got. Thank you, Mike. It is who you got. Clemson and Georgia are both contenders for a spot in the college football playoff, and both could have a path there even with a loss in this game. Still, the winner puts itself in great position this year, so who you got, Tigers or Bulldogs? Let's start with Mike. To me, this is a, a coin toss game, um, and and I love that it's week one. I know that's not – the coaches probably would prefer to play this later in the year when they've had a chance to develop identity. Um, I think this is a great matchup. I'm going with Clemson for the reasons we just spoke about, uh, mainly that defense. I think Clemson's defense is going to be the story of the first half of the year. Uh, I think the offense will catch up, and and Clemson being a juggernaut will be the story in the ACC of the second half of the year. But I think that defense is just going to be pretty lights out, and I think they're relishing the chance to show it against a really talented Georgia team, uh, against the running backs that Georgia's going to throw at them, uh, and in the national spotlight. So I think Clemson is going to be Clemson again. I think it's going to start week one, and I'm going with the Tigers. All right, David. I agree, Mike. And here's a here's a really cool stat, courtesy of Ross Taylor and, and the Clemson Sports Information staff. You know, obviously, the Tigers are coming off that CFP semifinal loss last season. Clemson has not dropped consecutive games. Now, I know we're crossing over to a new season, but still, in any way, shape, or form, Clemson has not lost back-to-back games since 2011. A a Uh, decade. That's the longest streak in ACC history. It is the longest current streak nationally. They're not going to start now. They're they're winning Saturday night. But when you think about the level of consistency that Dabo Sweeney has developed there at Clemson, um, especially, I mean, we don't need to go back for the whole story, but the way his tenure started, right, Mm -hmm. as a wide receiver coach, kind of promoted to as a stopgap, the level of consistency of that program is is something to marvel at. Um, it's something to respect. And I hope for all of you listening, it's something to enjoy and, and enjoy that game on Saturday. Enjoy Virginia, William & Mary. Enjoy Tech Carolina. And thanks for listening. You can subscribe to Teal & Barber on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite pods. And please consider supporting local journalism with an online subscription to the Times-Dispatch. You can find special promotional offers available at richmond.com. It's a great way to follow the Hokies and the Who's this college football season. Today's show was produced by Dean Hoffmeyer. Teal and Barber is a podcast of the Richmond Times-Dispatch and richmond.com. For David Teal, I'm Mike Barber. Thanks for listening. Be healthy and safe. And please join David and me again next time. We'll be right back.